undue burden. I was having a conversation with someone today and we were speaking of current events and certain religious substantive rights and just basic other things like, you know, you have marijuana case, you can use your religion as a religious sacrament. But sometimes they'll let that slip. Other times they'll hit you with something called an undue burden doctrine. In summary, it just basically means for you to invoke a certain right, you have to show that it's causing an undue burden to you. Or that your enforcement of your substantive right is not causing an undue burden to the public at large. So when speaking about certain substantive rights regarding some whatever outbreak that might exist, you're trying to claim certain exemptions, right? Or are you just basically saying you don't even qualify for it to begin with because of your religion? Just so you know, if you really want to go all the way with it, one of the primary things you're going to have to be able to prove that there's an undue burden standard being put on you and that your enforcement of your substantive right does not put an undue burden on the general public at large. And that applies in other circumstances. One of the cases that really got this phrase and this doctrine popularized was an abortion case where a woman, I think it's Wade versus Roe, where a woman said, well, uh, I can do whatever I want with my body. It's a constitutionally secure right. But then it was overturned by another case where they said, well, there was an undue burden and you really can't claim that to be a constitutionally secure right. But now loosely you will start to see them apply that in many other circumstances such as what's going on today. Undue burden standard. The undue burden standard is a constitutional test fashioned by the Supreme Court of the United States. The test first developed, oh, oh, you know what, before we even continue, here's the reference for you. And most of these are official publications according to rules of evidence, federal rules of evidence, rule 902, section five, six, and eight, you're self-authenticated. And here are all the references that you can use because they all have their official skills and their publications. So if you're clueless, yeah, sure. Wikipedia is not a reliable source. You keep running away from it, no problem. Those who know how to use it, use rules of evidence 902, 5, 6, and 8. You don't even have to make reference to Wikipedia as your source of evidence because there's always reference. It's like an attorney will write something in a, in a course paper and they will put a little one, two at the top right of it like this. And then you go down and you look for number two and you make reference to what it is. Well, it's letting you know a lot about the validity of this just by that general format. So, hop off Wikipedia is nuts. The undue burden standard is a constitutional test fashioned by the Supreme Court of the United States. The test, first developed in the 19th century, is widely used in American constitutional law. This is a type of law of its own, a constitutional one. And you bring in a constitutional claim, right? Cool. You're going to start doing with constitutional law. Here's one of the standards of the doctrine of constitutional law, undue burden. Prove it. Prove that whatever it is that you're claiming you don't qualify for is an undue burden to you. And that in the process of you enforcing that constitutional secure rights, and it's not an undue burden to everyone else. Keep that in mind. In short, the undue burden standard states that a legislature cannot make a particular law that is too burdensome or restrictive of one's fundamental rights. One use 
of the standard was Morgan versus Virginia. In a 7-1 ruling, associate judge so-and-so whatever fashioned an undue burden test to decide the constitutionality of a Virginia law requiring separate but equal racial segregation in public transportation. And believe it or not, this segregation thing, they're doing it with the whole, you know, stuff that you have to put on your nose or your face. Believe it or not, they're segregating people. They're separating the people's state of mind and are turning brothers and sisters against one another. Who knows? Maybe it needs to be like that. Maybe it needs not to. Up to your discretion. There is a recognized abstract principle. However, that may be taken as a postulate for testing whether particular state legislation in the absence of action by Congress legislation is beyond state power, separation of power in the Constitution. This is that the state legislation is invalid, meaning the laws of the state is invalid, if it unduly burdens that commerce and matters where uniformity is necessary. There are a lot of people running their mouths about Constitution not having anything to do with commerce. This is constitutional law we're talking about here. They're letting you know the Constitution does, in fact, involve commerce, does, in fact, governs commerce. So... So all that, all those mythical, somewhere up in the air, spurious speculation that the Constitution is against commerce and the commerce is not good, this and that. If you knew what Articles of Confederation and the reason why they began doing all that and how the Civil War and all that stuff began and how people had commercial interest and who was funding it and who was involved, you would know it was all commerce to begin with. That was why all those treaties and all those stuff, Treaty of Ghent, all those other the so-called American Indian Wars that took place that led to people making deals and uh, articles of association, Magna Carta, all that was all based on commercial interest. So stop lying to yourself about constitution and the commerce. And they're letting you know this is that the state law is invalid if unduly burdens that commerce. And look, we care about money here. If it, if it messes with our money, hey, look, you're causing us an undue burden. It matters where uniformity is necessary. Remember, uniformity is important. State of the Union, they all come together for a good reason. To act as one mind. The enclaves and subsidiaries, but nonetheless, one mind. One constitution. Necessary in the constitutional sense of usefulness in accomplishing in a permitted purpose. What purpose? Whatever the subject matter is. More recently, the standard has been used, meaning it's not just limited to abortion or segregation or whatever it is. More recently, the standard has been used in cases involving state restriction on a woman's access to abortion. The standard was applied by Associate Judge whatever, whatever, and heard dissent in City of Akron versus Akron Center for Reproductive Health. O'Connor utilized the test as an alternative to the strict scrutiny test applied in Roe versus Wade. There you go. The test was later used by a plurality opinion. Meaning this was this was the case that this case was making reference to this. And then they made a determination as to whether this applied or not. In the city of Akron, O'Connor stated if the particular regulation does not unduly burden the fundamental rights and our evaluation of that regulation is limited to our determination that the regulation rationally relates to a legitimate state purpose. So long as we're not creating an undue burden, 
then we can regulate things however we want. So long as it's not creating a due burden to you or anyone else, then we can tell you to put stuff over your face and your nose. <laughs> Just as John Paul Stephen in his partial concurrence, partial dissent to Casey, further defined undue burden by saying, a burden may be undue either because it is too severe. Listen to this. This is how they desert, define, and interpret what that word burden means within this undue burden standard. A burden may be undue or necessary either because it is too severe or because it lacks a legitimate rational justification. Very simple. So if you're trying to invoke uh, your religious sacraments for any type of plant and herb that's been put on this earth for you to use, keep this verbiage in mind and put it to use. Whatever the substantive rights in any given circumstance. Because on their end, they're going to want to say, well, we're permitted. This is a permitted purpose. So it's not a due burden. We're permitted to do it. it. Then goes on to say, the undue burden test has been used to judge the constitutionality of tax law. I mean, it applies to tax. When someone wants to compel you to do something you don't qualify for, they're taxing you one way or the other, monetary or otherwise. Consumer product liability laws, affirmative actions. <laughs> Voter registration laws, abortion laws, and even anti-spam, meaning it goes all across the board. It's not limited to one specific subject matter. The reason why constitutions exist, it applies to all circumstances at any given time, day, or matter. Same court have described the undue burden standard as a middle way forward for constitutional analysis, analysis between the strict scrutiny and the rational basis best look into these two things we're not going to go over it but they really speak for themselves subject matter here is undue burden standard you're going to need this you might not know that you need it now but just put this into consideration because there's more to come that you're going to be smacked with and if you don't know these basic things you're fucked because right now what's happening is very much like lubricating your butthole. The next thing that's going to happen is they're going to stick their fist up there. 